It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Some very exciting social media coming out of Paul Brown Stadium today. And of course, I'm talking about the signing of Amani Bledsoe. I'm just kidding, but we are going to talk about the signing of Amani Bledsoe to start the show here. Mike Daniels' deal also official after Steve Radicevic told us about that yesterday on the podcast. And Zim and Malik, among others, had it before that. So good for everybody for breaking some news. Way to go. Bengals uh, unofficial media, I guess. (laughs) And we've got some very exciting pro days to talk about today. Jamar Chase, of course, putting on a show at LSU. We'll talk about his workout and some other notable workouts. And William Jackson making headlines and pissing off Bengals fans everywhere. Of course, we have to talk about that as well. So Amani Bledsoe back with the Bengals. Mike Daniels officially back with the Bengals. Some solid depth there on the defensive side of the ball. Not really something that I think we need to spend a lot of time on, but I'm not opposed to having either of those players back and seeing what happens in camp. I think more so for Bledsoe, who will have a bit of a fight to make the roster. But he was solid for the Bengals last year after being a guy they picked up late in the process and really had a, a tough surrounding situation. So don't mind having Amani Bledsoe back whatsoever. But the exciting social media, James, out of Paul Brown Stadium was not the Amani Bledsoe release. It was a video of Joe Burrow walking without a limp, although he had a, a brace on that left knee, the garage door opening onto the field at Paul Brown Stadium, and he was ready to go to work. It's awesome because it implies obvious things like Joe Burrow is throwing again, which the team has been pretty quiet about, even though we've asked Zach Taylor multiple times. And to me, you mentioned it, the brace, it's more like a sleeve. It wasn't one of these big bulky things that you play in. And that's common just to try to keep the swelling down when you're working out a knee coming back from a torn ACL. But I'm thinking like, man, they're posting this. And this is me speculating, not reporting it. But I wonder if he's planning on that leg. I wonder if he's really throwing and able to put a little weight into it here and and getting going because he told us in January that he was going to start the throwing process in February. Now, I assume that was staying still, just get the arm moving again and stuff like that. But if you have a bag of balls, you have two guys that are going to come play wide receiver, essentially two staffers with the Bengals organization going out there with you. I think it's a good sign. And uh, there was a lot of news on Wednesday, but I think that's Maybe the the best news and certainly the best site, even though it kind of got buried by other stuff that we're going to talk about. I think he did talk about in the one press conference he's done that he would be able to throw pretty quick, like relatively quickly, because it's not like it's not like cutting. It's not like basketball where there's contact and all this stuff. It's mm-hmm. just throwing. You can plant and throw as soon as the knee is relatively stable uh, in, in a static position, because it's not like there's a bunch of torque going on the joint. 
if you're just throwing, especially if it's light throwing. Not really mm-hmm. sure what kind of work he was doing, but just seeing Joe ready to go back to work. I, I mean, my tweet on this is, here's how you get a lot of engagement if you're in Bengal social media. Step one, record a video of Joe Burrow doing literally anything. That's all the steps. Step two, send the tweet. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And look, I, I we've praised Bengal social media over the past year or so. It was such a, a pre, like even the caption was good. April Fool's is tomorrow, you know, it, in whatever they yeah. said. But it was funny and it was it was cool and I like it. And hopefully this is just the start of seeing some Joe Burrow recovery video. I wonder if he's going to put something out, if, you know, the team's going to put stuff out. That would be uh, that would be really, really cool to see. And hopefully they do it. I think that there's been some the, the immediate reaction, actually, that I saw was why haven't they done this earlier? Why aren't they showing us like anything? And one thing that I don't know if people are still thinking about is the COVID restrictions are still in place at Paul Brown Stadium. And this is something that impacts what personnel they're allowed to have in the stadium at any given time. So maybe they can't get a photographer in there and maybe they, they just figured that out, right? Maybe they just got a guy, a cameraman in there. And on that same note, the NFL did release today that teams should start to prepare for a virtual offseason in some manner, at least at the beginning of the offseason, but they're not expecting it to go the full duration of the offseason. So a light at the end of the tunnel for offseason activities to get onto the field, maybe not in April, but maybe a little bit later. And James, let me tell you what, that's exciting for me because I haven't left the city I live in for over a year. And uh, if I can go to Cincinnati to watch some training camp, I'll probably get on a plane. I hope so. I That would be great because, you know, we're going to do a live locked on Bengals meetup bare minimum. If we can do that, that would be great to have you in town. We'd be able to talk to all of our listeners, which we appreciate. We've gotten a lot of love on social media recently, and I'm, I'm a fan of that as well, Jake. But uh, Joe Burrow throwing, that's confirmed, right? I know we didn't see it, but that's exactly what they were implying. Is he going to throw to a familiar face next season? That's right. Jamar Chase crushed it at LSU's Pro Day, and we'll discuss it next. Speaking of crushing it, rockauto.com crushes it each and every single day because they make it convenient for you to keep your car on the road. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. You know what's worse than that? Overpaying for car parts to keep your automobile on the road. RockAuto.com can help. They've been in the business for more than two decades. They have parts for hundreds of different car manufacturers. So it doesn't matter what you drive from a Kia, a Hyundai, a Honda, a Daewoo, maybe a Suzuki. It does not matter at RockAuto.com. And the best part, the prices are the same for you as they are for mechanics, the do-it-yourselfers. You guys could save money too, whether it's windshield washer fluid or anything in between the oil pumps, fuel pumps, they got you covered. So go there right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. It is time for the finals in the Built Bar Bracket. The finalist, one of them has been determined as we record this podcast. That's Cookie Dough Chunk. And in the other semifinal... It's coconut brownie chunk going against one of James's favorites, mint brownie. Now, I know you're all going to go vote for coconut brownie chunk because if you can get brownies in a protein bar, 
you can't lose. Literally, brownies in a protein bar that's high protein, low sugar, covered in chocolate, tastes amazing. They've got flavors, even if you're not a brownie person. Maybe you like raspberry cheesecake. They've got you covered there too. Maybe you like carrot cake. They've got that one as well. They've got flavors for everybody. We've got a promo code for you. Locked 15, you'll save 15% on your next order at BuiltBar.com. So go vote, Coconut Brownie Chunk. Go buy yourself some Built Bars. Use that promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your next order. Mint Brownie might have been my favorite, Jake, but I, I got to tell you, Coconut Brownie Chunk might have just won me over. Might have just stole my heart, stole my love, Jake. Kind of like how Jamar Chase might have stole your love on Wednesday. And you, yeah, you Bengals fans out there that have been on the Penny Soul train since October, early November. Well, Jamar Chase ran his way. If you if you didn't, and I'm sure you heard about it, but he ran his way, tested his way uh, into that elite prospect conversation and c- cemented it, I think, Jake, as the, the wide receiver one in this draft class, whether it's the the four three eight forty yard dash, uh, a three nine eight in the shuttle. I mean, he just he crushed it. The vertical, uh, the broad jump. The vertical is forty one inches, eleven feet broad jump, and the key. And I think it was something you were worried about, and, and rightfully so. His height measured in at over six foot, so he met the threshold that everyone was maybe not concerned about, but uh, or, or maybe not worried about too much, but certainly concerned about and wondering if he if he was actually six foot. I mean, it's still a little bit shorter than you would want him to be, but six feet was a very important mark for the Bengals to remain interested. 86% of the receivers they've drafted have been six feet tall or taller. I mean, besides that, he obviously hits all of their benchmarks, except for one, actually, arm length. He has short arms, and this is this is a trend in, in the offensive tackle class. The only benchmark that he doesn't hit for the Bengals is arm length. of the wide receivers that the Bengals have drafted since we've been tracking it have 31 inch or longer arms. And and Jamar Chase came in just below that number. I'm making an exception, Jake. That that's the one. If if there's ever an exception in, in, I I get it. It's, it's interesting the the arm length, but all the other things he does, the way he can jump and rise above. And and that's the crazy part is, and and what was, I think exciting for me is because we've seen the tape, we've seen the numbers in the fact that he did measure in at six. And even though you got the short arms, you see the vertical leap because it translates to the field. But if he would have a, you know, a 34 inch leap, you're like, well, what the hell? Well, no, no, no. That translates in the gym that translates on the field and, and vice versa. So it's, I think he's, he's what you're looking for in a wide receiver one. I think that's what this confirms is the numbers, the production, the age, and now all of the the testing and, and, and testing numbers, they back it up. Yeah. When you plug everything into our formula that we use, it's the same formula as we used last year for wide receivers. Jamar, Jamar Chase is comfortably wide receiver one in the last two draft classes, at least at this point. It might change you know, a little bit, but the testing did boost his score up a little bit, created some separation between him and the next guy on the list. When you're a 99th percentile athlete, I mean, and and remember, there were people arguing with us about his athleticism. Mm-hmm. That that's generally good <laughs> news. And and the four three eight, maybe it's not a true four three eight. Even if he's a four four five guy, which he looked like on tape a year ago, and remember that he was 19, 19 year olds can still get faster. 
it's still more than enough time. And so he hits the Bengals thresholds. Really, really good prospect by our tape evaluation, by all the production stuff that we track. Really good breakout age. Still a young guy. No reason to think that he's not the best outside receiver in this class. At this point, at least on our board, he will be the number one wide receiver in this class. And it's not even particularly close. There's a bit of a cluster after Chase that features guys like Devontae Smith and Rashad Bateman and another guy that tested at LSU today. Before we talk about what Jamar Chase had to say afterwards, because he had some really interesting things to say about playing with Joe Burrow again. And Jay Morrison, I don't know if you reported it as well, James, but Jay Morrison was the first one I saw who did a good job of, of reporting when the if I play with Burrow again kind of changed in his answer to when I play with Burrow again. And if we're really picking apart his answers, I thought that was interesting. But uh, Terrace Marshall tested very similarly to Jamar Chase, a 99th percentile athlete. He didn't do the agility stuff. So there's no three cone that stands out as a below average time or an average time. Chase didn't have a great three cone, but it was good enough for the Bengals threshold. Terrence Marshall ran a great 40, very similar to Jamar Chase. Has good height, good weight. He had good production. Played a little bit of the Justin Jefferson role last year at LSU. So he went into the slot after previously playing outside. So a versatile guy and... If you were hoping that Terrace Marshall was going to be the guy at 38, I think that he just tested his way out of that conversation. When you look at his athletic profile, along with his production profile, along with his age, and man, did Joe Burrow have some great receivers with Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Sure would be nice to get one of those back with him in Cincinnati. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. is As exciting as it was for Chase, and the potential of him going at five, it was also a big blow to those that said, oh, just take Marshall at two, in, in the second round. Because sign me up, by the way, at 38. Guess what? No chance in hell. Is he going to be there at 38? I just don't see it happening. I think he may end up in, you know, a Baltimore, Green Bay, those teams at the back end of the first round that could use a wide receiver. He fits the bill, and it would make a lot of sense. So that... uh that's good in a way. And and here's the other thing. You just mentioned it. Great wide receivers. Well, if you're on team chase, great wide receivers, that's what you're kind of implying here. If you have T Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd and you bring in Jamar chase, who's going to be the bona fide wide receiver one, then you have a three headed monster and you can build a competent functional offensive line, which is what he had at LSU. Joe Burrow didn't have this star studded offensive line with a bunch of first rounders. He was just throwing to a bunch of first rounders was a very good, very explosive team at LSU. And let's talk a little bit about what Jamar Chase had to say. We're going to talk about Kyle Pitts Pro Day. We're going to talk about Liam Eikenberg too, because those are some guys that we've talked about as well on this show. And we should talk about how they tested at their respective Pro Days as well. But this is in Jay Morrison's piece at theathletic.com. This is a quote from Jamar Chase. I think I would have an advantage if I was to play with Joe again because we played a couple of years, but we'll still have to get that groove back. Feel for the game is not just going to be there when we throw again. So we have to build that chemistry back up and work hard again. You notice that that shift, it's not very subtle. (laughs) I I emphasize it quite a bit. The if to the when, now I think we're just picking apart this answer here and and Mm -hmm. I don't think this means anything, but maybe 
for, for those of you out there that like to pick apart what Steve Radicevic told us yesterday, trying to figure out what the draft intentions are, well, there's some more tea leaves for you. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly interesting. And if you saw the video of Chase in one of his answers, he answered a couple questions about Burrow and potentially reuniting. He had a smirk at the end when he's like, oh, I wouldn't mind reuniting with Joe. And I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said, but he did say I wouldn't mind. And there's just a little smirk at the end. And that would be so typical and aligns with everything that we've heard, you know, through the rumor mill about Joe Burrow advocating for Jamar Chase and wanting Jamar Chase. And uh, who knows, maybe Joe's saying, dude, do whatever you can to make sure you're available at five and I'll make sure we get you at five. That would be, that would be such a, a cool story if he ends up in Cincinnati and then they end up recreating what they did at LSU and they have a decade of success like Palmer and Chad did, like Andy and Green, but hopefully uh, to another level here in Cincinnati if it does happen. Will be a great deal of fun. A great deal of fun. He seems like a really hard worker. That's kind of the impression I get. And I feel like if you get along with Joe Burrow, you kind of have to be. The way he holds his teammates to a high standard. And I'm, I'm really stretching here and really speculating here about Jamar Chase's personality. But he, he doesn't give me the impression that he's going to be the, the Chase Claypool type of social media, the, the Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm naming Steelers that we don't like here. The guys that are they're running their mouths on social media, he strikes me closer on that spectrum to A.J. Green in terms mm-hmm. of the hard work, in terms of the personality, maybe not as a player, or maybe as a player too, actually, but uh, in terms of the personality, I just I think he would be a good fit for for the kind of locker room, the kind of personality Zach's trying to bring in, and certainly on the football field, a lot of good reasons to draft Jamar Chase. And hey, I hear you if you're on Team Sewell too. There's a lot of good arguments in that direction. I just observed something about his demeanor that I wanted to talk about that I think personality-wise, also a good fit with the Bengals. Jane Slater said something interesting on NFL Network after the pro day about Chase. She said, "Quote: One scout told me." generational type player. Another said, it just feels good to be in his presence. And another said to me, the one thing that stands out about him is he opted out of the season and you would expect him to be a diva, but no, he's incredibly humble. He's one of those hard workers that has impressed in interviews. So that aligns with exactly what you said, Jake, about his personality and it fitting here in Cincinnati. I hadn't even seen those quotes. That must mean I'm a really good read of character that I was able to pick that up. (laughs) <laughs> from from the 10 seconds of press conference I watched today. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit about Kyle Pitts. There's a team Pitts out there too. He also tested great down at Florida's Pro Day. And we've got some numbers on Liam Eichenberg, who for some people was a second round tackle prospect. We'll get into those guys and William Jackson's comments coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL regular season is over, but guess what? The draft less than a month away, and they have prop bets. So whether you're Team Chase or your Team Soul, you can watch the draft and make money while you do it. Plus, College Hoops, the Final Four is here. Maybe you think Gonzaga is going to win, or is Mick Cronin and UCLA going to pull off the upset? Either way, get off the sideline, go to betonline.ag right now, and make a little dough. It's free to sign up. They have you covered for all the news scores and odds. So go there, betonline.ag. You can use your phone, you can use your laptop, your computer at home. And all you got to do 
when you make your first deposit, use promo code locked on and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag, promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, before we talk about the the drama, let's call it, with William Jackson calling out Cincinnati Bengals fans on Washington Radio on Wednesday, let's hit a couple more pro days. Kyle Pitts, 4-4-4, 40-yard dash at 6-5, more than 6-5 and a half actually, 245 pounds, the, the Calvin Johnson comparisons coming out on Twitter as they had very similar weight, height, uh, speed combinations. The one thing that stood out as unusual for me in a, in a negative sense for Kyle Pitts is he only jumped 33 and a half inches, which is still a pretty good vertical. It's about 70th percentile according to RAS, but I thought he would have a great vert. He did have a great broad jump, 10 feet, nine inches. That's really, really good. 99th percentile. He had, above average agility testing, and that's the the shuttle and the three cones. So overall, 92nd, 93rd percentile athlete, but I thought he would be a 100th percentile guy, a lot of of like we saw from the Iowa tight ends and, and Hawkinson and Fant didn't quite hit those numbers, but a very good athlete and set a record for wingspan, incredibly long arms, 10 plus inch hands, giant hands that's going to just swallow up passes with ease, you're going to see some spectacular catches from Pitts. And when you combine all that with his tape, you can certainly see how he is also a top prospect in this draft. As high on some boards as number two. Which is fair. I, I think that's completely reasonable. And honestly, that that's the thing is when you talk about Sewell, especially if Pitts and Chase are both there, I think those guys are both higher than Sewell. And you could easily state and I think probably a lot of scouts and teams are going to have it this way. The highest non-quarterbacks in this draft are going to be Pitts and Chase or Chase and Pitts. And he did nothing for anybody to, to worry. You knew he wasn't going to weigh 260 or 265. That's the one knock, I guess, on Pitts is will he be durable enough taking those big hits that tight ends take in the NFL? But everything else is there. Uh, the 40-yard dash man. I mean, it, he was flying for his size, the way he moves, his length, the wingspan, it's uh, he's a complete player. And if he goes to the right team, you know, and maybe it's Atlanta. I don't think it's going to be Cincinnati. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe it's Miami. I think he could do a, a lot of damage early on. Going to be a lot of fun to watch in the NFL, no matter where he goes. I, I know Team Pitts is out there listening. I'm sorry, Team Pitts, that we don't think it's likely that he ends up in Cincinnati. Could be a giant smokescreen, though. And that would also be fun. But the Bengals haven't been very good at smoke screens historically. A couple other players to talk about here. One is Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. A pretty big guy. 274, but just 6'3 as an edge rusher from Wake Forest. Really productive. One of PFF's top guys 
at the edge rusher position, tested much better than I thought he would, James. Coming in with a 4 40-yard dash, which is a 94th percentile test for guys of, of that position at the edge rusher position. And at his size, even rarer for 274 plus, 270 plus to run that fast. That is a rare number. The shuttle, 425, also great for his size, great for his position. The jump's really good. The three cone, pretty good. So to me, he tested much better than I thought he would. You see this sometimes from edge rushers. Jordan Willis was a guy who tested better than he looked on tape in terms of agility and bend. And I think that's also true here for Basham a little bit, but I think he's helped himself because these are generally great numbers. When you come out with a 9.54 RAS, that's, that's elite stuff. And you do wonder now if Basham's going to end up in stripes, it looks like it's going to be a second round, not a third round. He's not going to fall to 69 after these testing. And maybe he does, but it, it becomes longer odds. And so now that that's a guy that you say, all right, well, if they're drafting an edge rusher, you know, maybe you trade down from 38 to 44 or something, but you're probably taking him in round two versus round three. But you never know, because I, I do think that there's a lot of edge rushers in that class of of prospect in the Basham prospect there uh, level. And but it, it's uh, it certainly doesn't hurt, like you said, and it, it could uh, it could benefit his draft stock. And I think it did. He certainly helped himself on Wednesday. It helped Jordan Willis when he tested really well. I think that it certainly elevated his draft status and, and that could bump Basham up a round or so potentially. I mean, if anything, it just speaks to his upside. Maybe you don't see great agility on tape. Maybe you don't see great speed to power on tape. And maybe he's still coming into his own a little bit there, but it tells you that he can do it. And that means that it could translate in the future. The athletic ceiling is there for Basham. Last guy I want to talk about, James, in terms of notable pro day numbers is Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. He ends up with really good testing. He didn't run the 40, but great agility testing. An 87th percentile shuttle, an 86th percentile three cone. Pretty bad vertical jump, only 40th percentile there. Uh, average broad jump, 6'6 is good height. Came in a little light at 306, but plenty strong with 33 bench reps. But the concerning thing for Eichenberg is going to be he didn't even hit the 33-inch arm threshold. And I don't see very many teams playing him at tackle coming in below 33-inch in the arm department. And again, that's just an issue of length. Length in the arms for tackles and for offensive linemen, generally speaking, matters because when you give up your chest, you're giving up control, especially in pass blocking situations. And if guys get into Eichenberg's chest, he's going to struggle with power in the NFL and not having the arms to fight them off, the length to fight them off. That's why it matters. One, I think this kind of seals the deal that he's going to get out of the first round. If he had tested well, I think there's a chance he could have been one of those back end of round one tackles. Instead, now you're right. I think at least half the league's probably going to view him as a guard, maybe more than that. But maybe the Bengals end up liking him, and he's there at 38. And, well, they do have two starting tackles right now. You could take him at 38, play him at guard early, and maybe he does develop, right, and go the Riley Reef route where he ends up being a tackle. But you're right. I mean, the, the arm length, it's going to hurt him. And it's that's been a common theme. For as well as a lot of these offensive linemen have tested – it seems like arm length continues to come up. So I bet there's going to be a lot of 
difference in variance in the grades for these offensive linemen based on how they've tested over the past couple of weeks at their pro day. And teams are going to have different thresholds for arm length. If they have a 33 inch threshold for, for arm length for tackles, there's like four or five more guys that make the cut. If it's 30, 33 and a half, which is my working assumption for most NFL teams, Jonah barely cleared it when, when he measured at tackle, when the Bengals drafted him and he was made fun of for having short arms leading up to that draft, then I think it's only like five guys outside of Penny Sewell who, who look like they have the arm length to play tackle in the NFL. So if you're looking for the Bengals to get a tackle this year, well, there's some ammunition for, for Team Sewell, I guess. I'm sorry, James. I know you're on Team Chase a little bit later tonight. But let's wrap up, James, with these comments from William Jackson that I don't know if, if Bengals fans would have heard about if you hadn't gone and found them and put them up at allbengals.com. Yeah, my man uh, just crushed crushed the the city of Cincinnati, or at least fans, and uh, in the Bengals organization. And he he didn't need to. He didn't need to take the shot, but he did. He was in he was on 106.7 The Fan in Washington. And here I'll read the quote. He said, uh, "Cincinnati, they got some crude fans, man. Misery loves company." And then he went on to say, "Them dudes, they wonder why they're not winning. I'm happy I'm out of that thing, man. It's a blessing I got away." And I wish them the best. But Washington, let's go from here. I, I just, I think it's unnecessary and I get why fans get upset. I also understand that uh, things didn't go ex- swimmingly well, right, from a culture standpoint for William Jackson the third while he was here. And heck, you mentioned all Bengals. We wrote about that, at least wrote about some of that stuff in the locker room. That, that's what it is. I mean, there's been some headbutting going on behind the scenes. And uh, I think that was him kind of voicing his frustration there a little bit. Certainly fits the narrative that he wanted out, that that we had heard rumored leading up to free agency and, and isn't terribly surprising. I will say that he, he gave that answer in response to a question of, are you surprised at the reception you've had from Washington fans? I guess there's been an outpouring of support for him on social media from Washington football team fans that are very excited to have him in town it kind of leads me to think he had some very unpleasant interactions with Bengals fans on social media. A lot of people didn't necessarily appreciate him. I know plenty of people did. I know plenty of people listening were, were diehard Bengal supporters and supported all the players on the team. And, and a lot of you are going to say, you know, he needs to get thicker skin and there's some truth to all of that. But this is just a reminder. I'm going to get on a soapbox here for a second, James, and just, just use our platform to tell people listening to our show don't tag players, especially if it's negative, especially if it's criticism. Don't go into somebody's thread that, that has William Jackson losing on a double move and be like at Willow, whatever his Twitter name is, and tag him on the tag him on the thread. If you're going to tag players, try to treat them as human beings. Be kind. And, uh, you know, just just remember, everybody's trying their best out there. Everybody's human. And I'm off my soapbox, James. I'm off my soapbox. It's fair. It's it's a fair statement. And that's uh, that's part of it. I do think tagging is a bit much. I also think that's part of, of social media, how we get tagged and stuff sometimes that's not fun to read. And you just got to kind of roll with it. But it is what it is. We'll see if letting William Jackson the third go uh, for a woozy and uh, in Hilton pays off. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. And, and we'll see how he does in Washington. He wished the Bengals well. It might have been a little sarcastic. We'll wish him well, too. <laughs> 
And uh, and that's 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 wholesome, William. If you're listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast for some reason, we do wish you well in your adventures in the nation's capital. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with the weekend mailbag. Get your questions ready when we put that tweet up asking for your submissions for Thursday's recording of Friday's episode. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 